Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me today here on Trumpet Radio. This is Live by Every Word. We're on 101.3 KPCG. We're online at kpcg.fm, and we have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well. All of our programming is available in podcast form, wherever you like to get your podcasts, including the uh, trumpet.com. Well, have you ever had one of your prayers answered, where you asked God for something and, and he answered you? Well, God's Word tells us that we are to pray to him, and we see when we look into God's Word that God knows everything that is going on in our lives, uh, even more than what we know. You know, he has a perspective that's far beyond ours. And sometimes people feel like, well, maybe God doesn't pay attention to them or doesn't know what's going on, but that's not true. God does know what's going on in people's lives, and he is concerned. He is interested. He knows about your situation, and he wants to work with you and help you in whatever situation you find yourself in. Ultimately, he wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants to be able to provide for us. He wants to be able to deliver us. And Christ instructs us how to pray. He taught his disciples that, and we learn from that instruction. That's in Matthew 6. And he tells us to not be hypocritical and make a big display in front of other people. There is a time, of course, where there's a public prayer, but for the most part, it's private. And we have to really be getting close to God. We have to be frequently praying to God and um, getting to know him and telling him about what we need, what we, what we think, developing this relationship. God wants to answer our prayers. Notice here a few passages. We have a few passages today that deal with prayer. And if you have a Bible handy, it'd be great to get it out. We can look at these together. In Matthew 6, here in verse 8, this shows us just how aware God is of our situations. Matthew 6 and verse 8 says, For your Father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. So even before we have a chance to ask God, he knows what we need. And oftentimes when we're thinking about what we need, we don't even see it. We don't even see the, the, the depth of what we really do need. You know, we might see part of it, but we don't see things like God does. He knows. He knows what things we have need of. Now, a person could read that and think, oh, well, why do I need to pray? He knows already anyway. But God wants us to ask him for help for ourselves and for other people. Intercessory prayer, praying for others and for help in their situations. Why does, why does God want that? Well, God wants to develop a relationship with each of us. He wants to develop a relationship with you. And so if you think about your best physical relationships, you know, a very close friend or a, a spouse or parents and children, if it's a good quality relationship, well, what's one of the things that really creates that relationship? Well, it's, it's communication. You have to talk to each other. 
if you don't talk to somebody, you don't really know them. You don't really know what they're thinking or what they're going through. I mean, you just don't have much of a relationship if you're not communicating. We don't really know people that we don't talk to. So God wants us to have a relationship with him. God wants us to talk to him. Now God speaks to us through our Bible study. And then when we pray, we're talking to God. And God will answer faith-filled prayers. He's there ready to answer, ready to help. But we have to have faith. Notice this in Matthew 21, verses 21 through 22. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree. He was, of course, we're breaking into the thought here. He, he um, uh, cursed a fig tree, and you can read more about that. It says, But also if you shall say unto this mountain, Be you removed, and be you cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. So we have to have prayers that are filled with faith. We have to believe God. We have to believe him. And this is brought out in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 talks about this need for faith and this need to believe God. Hebrews 11 in verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, you know, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God does answer prayers. He does reward people that diligently seek him. So there's a indication there that we're making a real diligent effort to get to know God in prayer and then also letting him speak to us through our Bible study. We're really looking into the Word of God, and then we're trying to live by that. We're trying to apply that. We have to not just believe that God exists, but believe that he will do what he says and make sure we're following his laws. You know, God does lay out blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience in his Word, but do people believe that? Do they believe it? Well, it's true. We do have to believe that. We have to strive to live by every word, which is what this program is named. But believing in God, see, it's, it's a matter of believing and following his word. Not just believing that he exists, but believing his word, obeying his commands. And that's where it can be challenging sometimes for people. They like the idea of God being there when they want him there. They like the idea of him answering and helping them. But they maybe aren't as diligent in seeking him in terms of time spent in prayer and study and also in seeking his truth and living by it. Notice Colossians 3 and verse 25. Colossians 3 and verse 25. It says, But he that does wrong shall receive for the wrong which he has done. There is no respect of persons. So God's not a respecter of persons, but he does respect righteousness. We have to be diligently seeking God and diligently doing the right things. If we are doing the wrong things, well, there's problems that come from that. We can't be living a way that's contrary to God's word 
and then think that God will answer our prayers. You know, we have to be repenting, striving to obey God, diligently seeking him. And then God's there ready to help. He's ready to help and he's ready to answer. Notice this quote from the um, Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. This is a free Bible course. It's at thetrumpet.com, and please sign up for that if you haven't yet. But it says, Real answered prayer is a divine, supernatural, direct answer from Almighty God himself. It is the result of obeying his commandments and laws, asking according to his will in an attitude of thanksgiving, and then believing in faith until the answer comes. God then promises that if he has to move mountains for us or perform other extraordinary feats, he will. He will. Now, God's not going to just say move a mountain because we think that'd be neat. (laughs) There'd have to be a reason. There'd have to be a reason for God to do some of those things. But he's willing to do whatever is needed for us to, you know, get the help we need as we're obeying him, as we're asking according to his will. And, of course, so that requires Bible study. And that requires drawing close to him and having a right attitude, as it says. So there, there are, you know, conditions to God answering prayer. We have to be diligently seeking him, obeying him, and following his word, and then having faith and, and patience and waiting, waiting for God to intervene and, and answer and fulfill his promises. There's lots of examples in the Bible where God intervenes and does amazing things. Let's look at one example where God answered a prayer and he saved a nation. This is in Isaiah 36 and 37. And we'll start in Isaiah 36 and read verses 1 and 2. It says, Now it came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the defense cities of Judah and took them. So Sennacherib was having a lot of military victories, taking a lot of cities, and he's uh, recorded that history. Uh, you can even see the, um, the uh, recorded history in uh, certain museums. Sennacherib had it written down. In verse 2 it says, And the king of Assyria sent uh, Rabshakeh from Lachish to Jerusalem unto king Hezekiah with a great army. And he stood... By the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the Fuller's Field. So there's this army that's coming, this uh, king of Assyria, Sennacherib. He's having a lot of military victories, a lot of success, and here he comes to Jerusalem, and they have a message, and they want to uh, take over. And if, again, it's so pretty horrifying, right? If you're in that city, if you're in Jerusalem there, you're thinking, oh, no, here comes the, here comes the army. What are you going to do? The correspondence course says the mighty Assyrian army had already conquered the surrounding territories. You can read about that in Isaiah 37, 11 through 13. It says, and for the Jews in Jerusalem, there was no apparent way of escape. It looked utterly hopeless. And you can imagine that, being in Jerusalem, being, you know, knowing this force is coming and they've had all these victories, what are you going to do? It's hopeless. You know, we have situations that come up in life that we think, boy, it's just hopeless. What am I going to do? I can't do anything. I, I can't deliver myself here. Where do we turn? Well, we have an example here of what Hezekiah did. Hezekiah the king, what did he do? Notice Isaiah 37 
And we'll look at verses 15 through 20. And Hezekiah prayed unto the Eternal, saying, O Eternal of hosts, God of Israel, that dwells between the cherubims, you are the God, even you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Eternal, and hear. Open your eyes, O Eternal, and see. And hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. So he tells God what Sennacherib was saying. Verse 18, of a truth, eternal, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their countries and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. So Hezekiah has the right perspective here. He's praying to God, the living God, and saying, look, you know, yeah, these Assyrian armies have come through. They've destroyed other nations because they have these false gods that can't do anything, wood and you know, other other idols made out of these physical materials can't do anything. But Hezekiah here is coming to the living God. Coming to the living God. Verse 20, it says, Now therefore, O eternal our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the eternal, even you only. You know, he's saying, look, God, you have to save us. You have to deliver us. We don't have any physical ability to get out of this, but we're coming to you. You've made heaven and earth. You can do whatever you need to do to protect your people. You will. You'll look after us. You know, these other nations, they have their false gods. Syria destroyed them easily because they weren't gods. They were just man's invention. But, but you are God, and you can answer, and you can save, and you can deliver. You know, Hezekiah knew there was no hope in man. There was nothing he could do. There was nothing the armies that were under his command could do. They didn't have enough power. And a lot of times in life, we think we can solve it. You know, we think, oh, I can, I can figure this out. I can do this. But we need God's help. Sometimes we get in a situation where we know we can't deliver ourselves. But there's a lot of situations that are that way. And we just don't uh, maybe go to God as much as we should. At least it's something to think about. Do we really bring God into the center of what we're doing? And ask for help. And get help and get direction and diligently seek God through prayer and through obedience to his word and through studying to understand what he wants us to do. Notice how God responded to Hezekiah, verse 33 through 38. It says, Therefore, thus says the Eternal, concerning the king of Assyria. So here's the answer. God says, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shields, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and shall not come into this city, says the Eternal. And nobody talks to the the king of Assyria that way, into his military, but God does. God does. He says he's not coming in here. Verse 35, for I will defend this city, to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Now, Jerusalem's a very special city to God. He has great plans for that city in the future. There's amazing history there. The Philadelphia Church of God, which sponsors this radio program, is working on archaeological digs in that city. The Eternal has chosen Jerusalem, as your Bible says. And so there's a lot of importance that God places there on Jerusalem, and he was going to protect it. 
because Hezekiah asked him, and he said, yep, I'm going to do that. I'll protect Jerusalem. Verse 36, And the angel of the Eternal went forth and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and fourscore and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. This massive army goes to sleep one night, and they don't wake up because God saw to it that they were destroyed. Verse 37, So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. And then he had a bad end, and you can read more about that history, as it says in verse 38. And it came to pass, as he was worshiping in the house of Nishrach, his god, so he had all these fake false gods, that his sons, it says, smote him with the sword. And they escaped into the land of Armenia. And then uh, one of his sons reigned in his stead. So, you know, here, here uh, Sennacherib was having all this success. Who was going to be able to stop him? Well, God stopped him because Hezekiah prayed, and he asked God to answer his prayer, to deliver the city. No matter what, you know, uh, situation we might face, God can deliver us. He can deliver us if we're diligently seeking him. If we're striving to understand his word and then obey it, he'll he'll take care of us. He definitely will. And we can be thankful for that. And we can remember this history in Isaiah 36 and 37 about Hezekiah and Sennacherib and what was done there. And how God delivered Hezekiah and Jerusalem and destroyed an army. There's secular history that backs this up in case, you know, uh, you might think, well, I don't know, that's just, did that even really happen? It did. I mean, it's even secular history records it. That, um, you know, there was uh, all these military successes, and then that's it. That's where the story ends. Well, why does it end there as far as secular history? Because God came in and he destroyed that army, that Assyrian army. God answers prayers. He'll answer your prayers. He'll answer my prayers as long as... We are going to him and diligently seeking him. Again, I, would, I want to read this uh, quote to you. We read it earlier, but from the correspondence course, because it really sums it up. Having answered prayer, what it takes. It says, real answered prayer is a divine, supernatural, direct answer from Almighty God himself. Just like we read about there in Isaiah. It says, it is a result of obeying his commandments and laws asking according to his will, in an attitude of thanksgiving, and then believing in faith until the answer comes. God then promises that if he has to move mountains for us or perform other extraordinary feats, he will. And in the case of Hezekiah, destroy an entire army, an army from Assyria. Just destroy him, just like that. Went to, went to sleep one night and they didn't wake up. They were dead corpses the next day. God can do those things. And it's a small thing for him to do something like that. He can do whatever he needs to do, but he wants us to draw close to him, to come to him, to ask him, to diligently seek him. And he's there ready to answer and to deliver us. We have an entire book about praying and how to pray. You can find that at thetrumpet.com. And also, please sign up for the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. That's free there at the trumpet as well. That's all the time we have for this edition of Live by Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. Thank you for spending some of your time with me today. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. 
You've been listening to Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.